0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe.
0: Welcome to episode six of the American Rugby Show. I'm one of your hosts, Alex Corbisera, joined by Todd Clever and Rob Hoadley, the guys. Back again, another episode. It's, It's good to see you all.
2: Great to be here, Corbs. And great to see another uh, fine effort from the famous Todd Clever Hawaiian shirt collection.
1: Well, I had to bring this one out. You know, it is the orange. It is my Austin. I mean, there are four wins uh, on the trot. And then I'm uh, keeping hydrated with the Gillies. So I got the West Coast. I got middle of the country. I mean, I'm Team Gilchrist. I mean, this guy is just putting things together. We'll hear all about it, along with Rob Shaw uh, coming on and chatting with us. It's uh, it's definitely a great episode.
0: I, it, no one commented. I upgraded the background. You know, last week I, I had a white wall. Rob's still, you know, in 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 the office, I got Abby's jersey. It's not quite my own, but I've got someone more impressive than me on the wall behind me. We've got Clever here. We just need a hoadly in the background, and and then we're, and then we're sorted, Rob. So no pressure.
2: <laughs> well, I've got to re- I've got to really go digging back for anything like that. Some,
0: some I'm not sure. Some, I have ring my dad and get him up. Stale and, and crusty uh, kit is going to have to come <laughs> out for that. All right, but it's time to tell you all about the show. Uh, we really appreciate you all joining in. Continue to support the show. We've got an absolute cracker this week for State of the Union. We have Chris Robshaw. This guy doesn't need much of an introduction, but I'm going to give him one. Former England captain, you know. Harlequins legend now at the San Diego Legion. Currently, you know, recovering from a shoulder injury, but it's great to have him on. Let's welcome him to the show with the State of the Union. Chris, welcome to the pod. It is an absolute pleasure to have you on, mate. Uh, we go back a long way, and uh, you know, in sunny San Diego, finally, uh, it, it's great to have you on.
3: Thank you. Yeah, nice to see you. All. It's good to be here. Uh, good to finally be back
0: in San Diego, and yeah, enjoy my.
3: So far.
0: It was nice to actually get to finally see you yesterday face-to-face. I know we've been chatting a lot, but uh, with, with COVID, with San Diego's move to Vegas, whatever, it, it was great to see you in person. Sad that you weren't playing and injured, but, but you know, mate, welcome here. Welcome to America. And, and, and let's crack on with the pod.
3: It's been a very interesting experience so far with the move to Las Vegas and uh, coming back to San Diego and moving from state to state. Um, I think there was definitely benefits for us going to Vegas. For me, being a new guy, we were all living in the same complex. Um, So it's getting to know the players a little bit better, getting to know the wives a bit, support for my wife who was pregnant or is pregnant. Um, So there are things like that. But unfortunately, I think as a club and as an organisation, we were promised stuff by the Las Vegas Board and Las Vegas City, which unfortunately didn't come come to place. And you would have seen our New York game where we were playing in a in a field which which wasn't up to the standards of the rest of the league and the posts were a little bit wonky and all this kind of stuff. Um, so now we're back in San Diego. We're in an incredible training base, as I'm sure you guys have seen, which is actually better than a, a lot of UK training bases from what I've seen and what I've been involved with in the past. It's fantastic. And it's what I came over here hoping to training and expect.
1: I can't even imagine coming from, uh, you know, you're the marquee signing for San Diego, coming to America on the beaches of uh, of California. And then uh, next thing you know, they threw a curveball be like, oh, no, you're actually going to go to Vegas. You're going to live a few blocks off the strip. And, uh, you know, so I, I can't imagine. I mean, were you disappointed on that? Were you this? I know, you you know, how you said before, you, you're making the most out of it and, and finding the benefits. But that's got to be a bit uh, heartbreaking. And how are the guys around you as well? It was
3: difficult, in all honesty. I think, well, I've I've only been to Vegas for the same reason that I'm sure most people ever go to Vegas to to party and have fun and gamble and all that kind of stuff. And from living there for two months, that's probably the only reason people should probably go. Uh, (laughs) It was a fine experience, and I think we made the most of it. And for me, who was coming from England, who was in a serious lockdown and you couldn't really leave the house by a little bit of exercise, Whereas you went to Vegas and you could go out for dinner, you could eat in restaurants indoors and outdoors, you could go out for drinks. So it it gave it that bit of normality. And I think with that, it kind of made it a bit better. Unfortunately, like I said, uh, the stuff which we were promised from the the Las Vegas city and um, kind of proposed that we would have when we got there. I mean, we we were trying to beat the kids to parks to play in the morning and train in the morning. It was that kind of thing like, fair play to them, they converted an office block into a, a great gym and all the wives and the partners were down there painting the gym, which uh, I must admit was a bit of a shock to my wife when she first turned up, uh, but it was good, it felt everyone felt involved, everyone was trying to do everything possible to get San Diego there, get them off on the right foot, whether that be from owners to coaches to players everyone was was trying to make it work, but yeah, for reasons outside of the club and for reasons from the city, unfortunately, it didn't work. Uh, but yeah, back in San Diego now, and it's, it's brilliant to be back here.
2: Chris, um, with you being in Vegas and uh, that being the sort of left field situation that you didn't uh, prepare for, who were the characters there that would lift you up? The, the the guys that might add a bit of fun when people were down. So I want to know the character that would uh, you'd want to be around in that situation. And I also want to know who's the character who was like a droopy dog who's always moaning about everything, bringing someone down? Um, look, there were was, was
3: some good characters. And I think, I think with it, everyone tried. Like Ryan Matthias was brilliant. Yeah. Uh, Joe Peterson, the club captain was great about getting everyone together. And we're the communal pool, so it's down there having some barbecues and having some beers on a Saturday after a game or or kind of in the build-up in the pre-season time. Um, but I think for a lot of people, it was tough because all of a sudden they were mo- moving, they were leaving their friends, their family, uh, everyone like that, I think when we moved over here, we always knew we were leaving our friends and family, regardless if we were going to San Diego or vegas and it definitely was tough and I think when things don't go well and results we didn't quite have the cohesion, our preseason was a little bit disjointed when stuff like that happens, then you start to look at things and if things aren't right outside of the pitch, it probably takes a bit more of an effect whereas when you're winning, you can you can live in a crap place and you can do all this kind of stuff because it kind of goes in with it. But unfortunately, we had a couple of results go away, a couple of injuries, and it just didn't work for us, unfortunately.
2: You do, I noticed you didn't want to answer droopy dog. That's mm. fine. But we always, we all know there's a moaner, isn't there? There's always a moaner there moaning about everything that you've got to pick up. Ryan Matias can look after that. Ryan Matias, aka Mr.
0: Positivity. I love that
2: guy. Yeah, the yeah. energizer bunny.
0: He really is. i got a lot of time for that guy. How hard during a pandemic was it to actually, you know, make the jump over here? You've got a pregnant wife. You Usually by this time, lads will know where they're staying, what the routine is. But the MLR this year had so much uncertainty. How hard was it actually as it got closer and closer and still not knowing until maybe that last sort of month or so where everything started to fall in place as preseason started? It was huge, actually.
3: and. Um, look, I've, I've been at Harlequins my whole life and you go from pre-season to pre-season or you go to England training and I haven't even moved club in the country. So let alone moving country and all that kind of stuff. And like you said, you had COVID, the pandemic. I mean, firstly, from a personal point of view, to leave the club and play my last game there without fans and stuff like that was was different emotionally and not to have that kind of farewell and all that. It, that was pretty tough mentally and physically. Um, and then when... I think I was supposed to be here on January the 1st initially. I think that was kind of the, the go-to date. So the end of December, I was still kind of waiting on um, stuff from the embassy, the visa issues, all that kind of stuff. Eventually, that kind of got pushed back to probably early February. So we managed to get over early, early February in the end. But I think my flight was actually confirmed less than 12 hours before I flew so I because in in London I rented out my house so we again we assumed we'd be out of there in January so we left the house in mid-January thinking I oh, would we'll be well gone by then so we had to move back with the parents we finally had a flight which we looked like we were going to get but yeah it was only confirmed literally the night before and then I think we flew at nine the next morning um so yeah then it just it went pretty quickly and it was a bit of a it was strange because, again, because you couldn't really have the goodbyes and see your friends and family and all that, which was a bit of a shame. And especially with my wife being pregnant, and I wanted to see future grandparents and all that stuff. So, yeah, it was it was a pretty quick transition once it got going.
0: And what's it been like, you know, since you've been here, been with San Diego, you've had some time now. You're finally back in California, which is kind of like what you thought you were signing up for. Now, this is the dream. You know, the sun is out we we're all, we're all in socal right now we can all look out the window the sun is shining you know the beers are cold uh, the rugby's you know heating up and everything you know obviously there's the injury which is going to be a massive factor taking away from that but how is life in california now something positive that we we could uh, we we yeah. could talk about
3: yeah i think look bar the shoulder look this is what we wanted we wanted an experience completely different to london somewhere where again it's english speaking it's a good standard of rugby but a lifestyles differently. So today, yeah, we went out for a bit of brunch and then on the way back, we driving past one of the beaches and we're like, oh, should we just stop? So we got out, we've we, we gone and bought some deck chairs, so we take them in the car everywhere. And we just went and sat on the beach for an hour and just kind of had a little swim in the sea. And it's just that which is so different from anything I've ever done. And um, it's such a, a feel-good feeling. And unfortunately, your side beat us, beat us pretty comfortably yesterday, Corbs, and I think you're doing well not to rub it in at the moment. Um, but in terms like that, like, especially when, like I said, you come on the back of a loss, you're a bit down, you're a bit mopey. You need an escape. You need an escape. You need somehow to be able to park stuff and move forward. And for me, the sea has always been a massive thing for me. Um, just getting in there, refresh. I know people might say it's a little bit cold at the moment, but it's, it's beautiful out there. And for me, just getting in have a little swim, go for an ice cream or something with my wife. It's just, it helps park things, I think. 'Cause when I was younger in particular, you can you beat yourself up for so much, you lose a game, you beat yourself up for the whole week until the next game and you that ends up dragging out on your friends, your family, and you don't you don't quite let it go. And I think as you get older you learn to realise what helps you move forward. And for me, the sea, the ocean, the sunshine has been a massive factor for, for me overhearing SoCal.
2: Yeah, just recently, Chris, I actually read something about how um a couple of English players have been talking about um how maybe looking back on their England career, they they taken things too seriously and put too much pressure on themselves. How have you like worked on your mental skills throughout your career? And have there been certain things that have been influential on you, whether it comes to like reading books, having mentors, whether it might be something else like meditation or getting out to the hills or the ocean or, or different things like that that have helped guide you through your career?
3: Yeah, I think I think that's an, that's always a tough one because when you look back on your careers, I think it's easy to say. I should have been more relaxed. I should have been less frustrated, <laughs> And I do it as well. Tell me about it. Sure hey. you Tell me about that. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I should have enjoyed it. I should have had a bit more of a smile or yeah. gone for that night out or something. But yeah. when you're in it, yeah, you don't see that. You just see, I want to play for England. All I've ever wanted to do. And if I don't play well, there's another seven guys who are good enough to come in here and take my place. And yeah. there's a long way back. Yeah. And you don't often see it. And we love the sport, but sometimes we're so involved in it, we don't see everything outside and we think everything kind of revolves around it and we love the game and all that. But yeah, it's definitely getting older. I think when, unfortunately, stuff like internationals are taken away from you and you're no longer kind of considered for that, you probably do relax a little bit more. Um You don't have that pressure where you're pushing to play. But yeah, look, I've, I've tried so many things. I've had it has been on the back of huge defeats and kind of stuff which has rocked my life in terms of devastating lows and uh, huge losses to yoga and to meditating, to, like I said, getting in the sea, going for a walk with my dog, um, just little things like that, going on holiday, just being able to get away from it. But we all have something. We just need to find out what it is. I know Richard McCall, actually, obviously one of the greatest rugby players to ever played a game, won the World Cup twice. He flies helicopters. Yeah. Even when he was captured in New Zealand in the World Cup and everything, he would fly a helicopter. That was his escape to get away from it. So, yeah, there's extreme things like that. There's stuff like me going to the ocean and trying to surf and all that. And there's guys who like to coach. They like to do university degrees. But you have to find out what works for you, I think.
2: Yeah, for sure. And it's just... I think it's so interesting, um, you know, speaking to someone like yourself, who's been in that intense environment and been obviously in one club, but under different coaches and different England coaches, that sometimes you need a complete change of perspective to see where you were in the first place. And you see a lot of that with the the Kiwi players that go and play a couple of years in Japan. And I think it's going to be really interesting to hear the lessons now from George Cruz and Goody and those guys that are kind of with the Saracen situation, forced to go out to Japan. Uh, and the lessons they bring back, but I think the broader perspective, you know, it, it, it is so valuable. But like you say, when you go back and you're in it, you you kind of need that intensity to drive you as well. So it's obviously finding oh, that balance. I, I think with that
3: though, I can't speak highly enough of living abroad and playing abroad now. Yeah. But when I was wanting to play for England, it never crossed my mind because to yeah. play for England, you had to be in England. Yeah. I think someone like George Cruz. I mean, fair play to him because he was starting for England and he was like, no, I want to go off and experience and challenge myself in a different way. And, look, it's a different t- stage in my career, a bit later, not having that international recognition and, and stuff. But it's one of those things where I look back and say, could I have done it a bit earlier? Mm. I remember even speaking to Gary Bote when he was at Harlequins, when I was, I would have been in a young 20s. And he always said, oh, why don't you go to South Africa in the off season? Mm. And I know we touched on it earlier. And I, I think... I've been really impressed with the standard over here, first and foremost, and I think it's been a lot better than people assume back in the UK. Mm. But I think for these players to get better is for them to go in the off season because it's a long off season. They have six months, whereas in the UK we have what five weeks off, and then you're into training and practice games. Um, for them to go to a UK, to go to the Southern Hemisphere, and see if they can do a little stint just to get a more rounded rugby experience, to work with different coaches, to work with a different environment where, not in a disrespectful way, but training might be a bit more challenging because there's more competition and the standing might be a little bit higher. Um, And I think that is only going to be good for American players and the American national team moving forward.
2: One of those people that's done that actually is Aaron Mitchell, um, who's actually come off the bench and done really well the last couple of weeks uh, in the scrum against Utah and and this weekend against LA. Uh, He went out to South Africa last off-season and the change in him coming back was actually incredible. Um, so th- th- there's huge benefits. We spoke to Phil McKenzie a couple of weeks ago on the pod, who spent time at, uh, in the championship in England and in the premiership with Sal. Um, and again, it's creating a more rounded individual, uh, probably more leadership qualities. And, um, and, and again, we've talked about the American players here. Not only do they start at a later age than around the world, but once they start, they play about half the competitive games—the number of games during a season. It's great to see it now going both ways. You know, we want our young American players getting some overseas experience, uh, and now you guys coming over so we, we can keep learning from each other. And uh, yeah, I'm sure the the Legion guys are learning a lot from you. I hope there's a lot of sponges there to to learn from. Yeah, it's again, it's, it's trying to use that as best I
3: can. Look, I've been lucky enough to play with some of the best players in the world and some of the best coaches in the world. And it's trying to bring that experience. And look, I'm, I'm gutted that, of course, I'd have banned to begin with, and now I've hurt my shoulder. I feel devastated I can't contribute actually on the pitch. But it's trying to help the guys off the, off the field with little bits, like you said, Where, whereas in England, we've been playing rugby since we were five, six years old. A lot of guys here, they might not quite make it as something in an NFL or NBA or something like that. And they pick it up a little bit later. So maybe their formative years, it's a little intricate skills, which because they're physical. I tell you that you run some of these boys; they they like to hit you hard, um, and that's something I, I didn't realise early on. But it's it's trying to help them with little things like that, and and just little drills, which they might do do a passing drill, but why don't you try to do it like this and just bring in something that hopefully I can add to the team.
1: You uh you you did bring up the the being banned for a little bit, so I definitely want to touch on on sort of tail end on things. You know, obviously, we watched your uh, farewell game for Harlequins and in an empty stadium, unfortunately. But it was it was great to see you. You know, wearing those colors. Um, you know, we saw those kind of challenges. How can you get up to the standard instead of you know being the first one run out there, having banners, flags, you know, family and friends there? So that must have been tough. And then obviously, you're you're, you're signing off of uh, you know England, and and you have the call up for uh, you know the Barbarians. And and you know, I know I've had a had a great. You know, a uh, week with them and and what it means and and but during that pandemic, during that time is 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 kind of the hardest thing. I mean, can you walk us through sort of basically what happened with the banning? Yeah, look, unfortunately, I can't
3: probably go into too many details still with everything being relatively soon. But look, we myself and the other twelve guys made some some poor choices. Unfortunately, that week and it is a week, not just a game. A week I'd always looked forward to. Um And look, we we got things wrong and we probably shouldn't have done what we'd done and all that um, and we have to live with that we have our our punishment now we have our fines unfortunately we had our, our match ban which unfortunately implicated even San Diego coming over here so it was it was a huge thing um, doing some community work as well so trying to get out to some of the rugby clubs in San Diego and trying to um, see how much of a rugby following there is at grassroots level over there and, and trying to benefit from it and move forward from it I think because don't be wrong I'm, I'm deeply sorry for what I did. And if I had my time again, I definitely wouldn't have done it. But it's now about giving back in terms of that. And I think when you're at that top level, you are busy. And I know we, we should go to new community clubs and we should go and help out. And, and we do at stages, but the higher up the tree you get, the probably less you go. And it's now about going back there. And it's it's great because you see, these are the people that make rugby. These are the people that turn up, whether it's sunny, raining. I know it's always sunny here, but in England when it's tipping it down every Sunday and they're coaching the kids and the minis and it's you see the smiles on faces or the people making their food for them and that, that's what rugby is about. And I think sometimes we we, do, we can forget, like you said, because you go from nice hotels to nice stadiums and, and all that kind of stuff, but you've got to remember what the heart of it is. So I know it's been put across me, but I've enjoyed that side of it for sure
0: just on the back of of that you know you obviously um there was a strong sort of backlash in the media social media after that how tough was that at a time when you know you're obviously ending your career i feel like you guys made a mistake i feel like you got it wrong but i felt like the proportion and the 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 reaction to it was was way overblown and i felt for you lads because it kind of got put that everything was just put on these rogue players that you know had had, you know, just jeopardized everything. And and I did have a lot of sympathy for you lads. And I had a sympathy for you finishing your career and what that would have meant to you on that day. The last thing you ever thought you lads were doing was getting that game called off. So, like, how hard was that experience and waiting with the band, the uncertainty, and then knowing San Diego was looming and, and, and that could be affected by all of this?
3: Look, actually, like I said, we we did wrong and we, we shouldn't have done it. But it was it was tough. In all seriousness, it was a very tough time. I'd gone from finishing my Quinn's career on high, all that kind of stuff, to suddenly a week later, you're being written about, people are sending you horrible things. And, and that's when you see the... I think the social media is a brilliant thing. I think it's a brilliant thing but in times like that it can be horrible and and for me personally you just had to get off it because you were having all kinds of comments i'd tell my friends my family just just to avoid things stay away from it because it is tough and it was a long drawn out process we didn't get our our probably sentence or review or whatever it was for about three months so it was long it was dragged out and then you're thinking is it going to affect san diego how have i them and and of course the other 12 guys with their various clubs whether some guys retiring all that kind of stuff so look yeah it was it was definitely a tough time. I think as you go through the game, your skin gets a bit thicker and your shoulders get a bit broader. You learn to take things with a pinch of salt. You learn to listen to the people that matters. And, and you'll know you'll know more than anyone. And When you muck up or when you have a bad game or when you do something wrong, especially as a professional, you're your biggest critic. You know you've, you've messed up. You don't need to, someone to call you F, Y, and Z, or whatever. Um, so yeah, look, it... There was, of course, backlash, especially back in the UK.
1: Is there another opportunity to put on those uh, black and white hoops and, uh, and and play for the Babas um, in in the future? I mean, I definitely know that you want to redeem and have a proper week where it's uh, away from all this COVID mess. I,
0: I feel like a barbarian's
1: week in Vegas when, when the Raider Stadium. That would be a good week. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's make it happen. Yeah. Get the, American the team liaison would be Chris here. You know, he's basically, uh, you know, a, a Vegas uh, native after spending a couple of weeks there with the Legion. You know, a couple of <laughs>
3: <laughs> I mean, I think, I think in all seriousness, like, I think that is ways in which the American game can go, whether they have an East v West game, or I know they do it in other sports and all that kind of stuff. Is it like in a, bar- a Barbarian style thing? I was even speaking to the club recently about you as a San Diego team, do even at the end of the season or other teams, go over to the UK and play a premiership side in their pre-season game. So it's kind of an end of thing here. It's a pre-season game there. Just about trying to grow it, trying to build it. Because um, there is a following now with you guys doing stuff like this pod, uh, with you, corps of course, presenting back in the UK, back over here in the States as well.
1: There is growing, there is
3: excitement and there is interest about the league. And I think more players that come, more players that continue to develop, it's only going to go one way. And I don't think that's a, that's a quick thing. And people always think they want a quick thing. And we look at the, the premiership in England in the rugby. And that we're always like, oh, we, we've we been going 25 years professionally. And we still don't have the answer. We still, we still cause issues. We still get things wrong. Every year we're twinking with it. But we think we've got a good product. And it's about saying we've got a good product every year. How can we just make it better? Um, and I'm sure we've... Major League Rugby. I think there's a huge stroke for it to continue to grow, and um, but it will take time. I think.
2: Are many of your mates reaching out from back home and like trying to keep up with how you're doing and and what's happening in the league?
3: Yeah, yeah, they are. It's it's actually amazing when when I first moved over here, how many friends were willing to travel to San Diego but wouldn't come <laughs> up the road to Wandsworth. <laughs> yeah. um,
2: all of a sudden, it seems like, have I got a better personality now I've moved to, because everyone wants to be my mate. <laughs> but yeah, they're they're all they're, they're watching it, and
3: they're, of course, um, with the apps and all that kind of stuff, it's a, a great following, being able to show it on TV. So yeah, a lot of them are trying to keep in touch with it, or see the highlights and all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, it's getting a bit of traction, which is good.
0: You know, touching on the Legion now, Chris, it's been a a little bit of an up and down season, you know, week to week and results. It was a tough loss to L.A. yesterday, took a couple more injuries to significant players, which has been part of a theme that your team has struggled for this season. You know, how is the squad doing? How is it looking going forward? And and what do you see are their biggest sort of challenges and and also their biggest strengths uh, going forward in these next couple of weeks? Yeah, look,
3: like, like you said, unfortunately, it was, it was a tough game. You guys were great yesterday, I think, to score three tries early on, put us under pressure straight away. And I think over here, with, with squad size, it becomes stretched, doesn't it? As soon as you get a couple of injury, it's not like back in the UK where you have three or four people in every position, plus a couple of academy guys, plus a couple of guys who can change position. Here, you probably have two in every position, if that. Um so you get a couple of injuries and unfortunately we, we picked up a couple myself and uh, Nate and Josh and Kenny, unfortunately a big loss um, and unfortunately they've all been quite big injuries, they've not just been like one or two weeks unfortunately, they've all been broken bones or dislocations and, and little things like this and, and then you think is there something we're doing, is there something off to feel we could do better to injury prevention and all that, I think that's probably the first thing you've got to look at them uh we've probably got to have a look at that but i think in terms of you know what momentum's like in sport, momentum's tough and when things aren't going for you the bounce of the ball doesn't go your way a little ref decision doesn't go your way but you need one of those sparks just to get it back on track because you you push yourself you push yourself you often work harder don't you you work harder you put your head down and get on with things and sometimes you just need a little spark. Could be a bounce of the ball. It could be one decision. It could be one driving move. Whatever it is, and all of a sudden that just gets things back on track. We just need that at the moment. We, like you said, we are very up and down. We just need to get the momentum back on our side.
0: Is the arrival of, of you know, Paddy Ryan, Josh Furno announced? Is that, is that a, a boost to the squad that you know, knowing that reinforcements are coming in as well? Seasoned guys who've played in this team before, Rob, you know them very well as well. That are going to add some big value to this team on and off the field. From my point of view, I think I've only
3: played against Josh once, uh, once or twice back in the Six Nations. Um, I don't know Paddy, but they say the the impact he has around the place, the impact he has on the game, both him and Josh, is fantastic. And I think whenever you get big names coming in, experienced players, players that you know are going to deliver every single game, every single day of the week, it lifts you. And I remember in playing at Quinn's, when we signed players and they came in, you're watching them. What are they going to do? What are they bringing? um and i've no doubt from hearing about these guys they're, they're going to lift us completely um and i think yeah look it's it's always great when you can bring people in and it will have that freshness won't
2: it yeah it's going to be great to see uh, paddy and josh back there um representing the rhinos of the legion um uh, big personalities and uh, and it's going to be a big big impact on the field so i think um everyone's looking forward to seeing them get back in the action
0: Chris, you've you've come over here. I know it's early days into your sort of American experience, but you know, would you recommend this to other players who are in similar position to you, finishing maybe their international careers, club co- careers abroad? Say maybe in the UK, would you recommend you know the MLR as an option based on your experience so far? Yeah, very
3: much so. And I, I think, like I said earlier, it's it's been a, the standard. Firstly, has been a lot higher than I expected, not in a disrespectful way, but. Coming here, international players coming, or or former international players, it's gonna lift it. The American guys are the skill every now and then might not be quite there, but the physicality, the athleticism of these guys is phenomenal. It's phenomenal, and, and that's what they could bring. And I think it'd be a great asset and a great thing in four players to come over to. And I know a couple of guys have spoken to me and said, Oh, what's it like? And I think there's always a bit of mystery and a bit of magic, and I'm sure you get the same kind of constantly getting asked. Um, and I think there will be. I think there will be more coming. And I think the good thing is that, especially guys like myself, and that was one of the reasons for coming here, is is it, it's a six-month season. So that if you are, as players in the UK, you earn well, but you don't earn enough to sit back on the beach and retire and you have to plan. So it allows you another six months to plan for that next kind of career path, whatever you go for. So if you're not quite ready to call it a day, but you're also thinking of that transition, it was great, and and also it's it's great to see a bit of the country. Been to Houston, Atlanta, Austin. Uh, we went out to LA on the weekend. Uh, we play in some incredible places, um, good standard, and I think the enthusiasm for rugby is there, which is great, and that's what you want. You want to play in stadiums where people are energised, and the Americans do that. I think in the UK, of course, we got a, a good model and stuff, but we're very stuck in our rugby ways and we don't want to feel like we're changing it or pushing the boundaries too much because that's not traditional rugby. Whereas I think over here we have the game and they're putting their American spin on it, which is great. It's entertaining. You look at the crowds there and I know, of course, numbers are are lower than what we played back home, but it's about the whole kind of entertainment value rather than just the game. I think they do that brilliantly here.
1: If I can ask a, a personal question, a couple of personal questions... And uh, obviously, you know, you got injured early on, uh, on, on your debut for the Legion. Um, how, 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 how's that going for you? What's the time expected? Uh, are we going to see you soon in a the, in the San Diego jersey? I
3: hope so. Um, yeah, unfortunately, 60 minutes in, I was carrying the ball. And as I put my arm to full, I've kind of popped my shoulder up and hyperextended and, and kind of popped my shoulder out, unfortunately, which um, it was out for about 10 minutes, but I put it back in. Um, so I'm hoping... It's going to be about a six-week injury, so another another month. Fingers crossed, if all goes well. and Rehab and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, look, I just want to get back out there. I've come here to play rugby. It's nice as going to the beach and all that is, and it is. Uh, I'm, I'm here to play rugby and help San Diego Legion out as best as I can. Um, so yeah, look, I'm... Trying to have the boys off the pitch at the moment but yeah i much prefer to help them
1: on it oh i'm sure yeah definitely i'm sure they're getting a wealth of knowledge of, of how to be a professional and how to carry themselves uh your contract are you uh is it a multi-year deal do you have a couple of couple seasons with you is san diego going to be somewhat permanent yeah, so i've got a couple of years over here um so
3: i imagine in the off season we'll go back to the uk um and then be back here again next year and hopefully we'll we'll just be san diego resident so
1: are you guys planning on having your child uh, born here in the States or are you going to go back home for it? Just for a future Eagle coach, possibly. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, Qualified He's, player.
1: Yeah, they're, they're
3: going to be born here. Um, my wife's now 36 weeks today. So that was uh, quite a stressful experience with the whole Las Vegas thing and being told that insurance over here, of course, we come from the NHS in, in the UK. Uh, whereas over here it's it's all state by state so of course we were san diego and then nevada oh sorry california and nevada back to california so it was um a bit of a minefield if i'm honest but we're sorted now we're happy we're settled and we're enjoying life future eagle
2: yeah good luck for that mate that's a, yeah that's uh that's the most important thing to get sorted um but yeah like todd says i think in uh, in like 18, 19 years, there could be a hell of a USA team with all these was, MLR overseas players that are having I, their I kids now. just thinking
0: that, mate. JP Smith is about to have, have a baby. It. Like, it, they're, they're yeah. just yeah. gonna be a whole new generation. Might even go back to their home countries and then have the passport qualification, similar idea. I did. Just my brain was just exploding with that as Todd brought that up.
3: You spare babies too.
0: Exactly.
2: Yeah, we should create a baby's 15 now and then see where we exactly. are in 18 years. Exactly. <laughs> Chris, I'd like to ask you as well. We all love rugby, right? From wherever we are around the world, like it's meant so much to us, and we've like really sacrificed a lot for for whatever we've got in the sport, but we've got taken so much away from it. So for you, mate, like what's been from all the amazing things that you've achieved in your, your rugby career and the ups and downs, everything, is there something that stands out as a memory to you of like that was the, the highest achievement. That was what I was working for my whole life in rugby. And then like, what did that mean to you personally and, and, and mean to your family?
3: Yeah, good question. Um, no, I, I think firstly to, to get anywhere in sport, anywhere in life, if you want to be successful, you've got to work hard. I think people see teams and players play on the weekend, but they don't realise how work hard they work every single day. The knocks they take, both physically and mentally, just to keep on going week after week, month after month, year after year, and I think that in resilience in itself is something. Um, from a uh, an England perspective, I would have to say winning the Grand Slam for me it was it come on the back of finishing second four years in a row, uh, not quite getting there, missing out on points difference, all this kind of stuff, and then to finally get your hands on that trophy. Um, it was just incredible and that feeling and you realize how special it is there were some guys who were playing for the first time who were thinking oh this is easy um, you've been it, there those four yeah, years you're
2: like well, exactly. yeah. and they didn't
3: know the pain that, that we've been through and all that kind of stuff to get there and to achieve that and it, it does take that it takes hard work it takes sacrifice and above unfortunately it's not just for myself it's your loved ones and your friends and your family and come on a journey because at the end of the day like my wife she's the one who who picks you up when you're down and probably calms you down when you're a bit too excited as well um and no one's an island you need a good support network around you if you want to go out there and try and achieve something
2: like i i love to hear that mate and i hope it's like it's those things that you know you're able to share with the lads and you know everyone's got their moments but one everyone can come together and share those moments that's when you build the strength you know to get through those tough times together and and then form a new group that are gonna push each other and be there for each other because you've already been through that hardship, I think, being away from families and things. So, uh, I mean, we get excited listening to you, obviously, uh, talking about those moments. And uh, listen, we hope you can have some more of those moments with Legion out here.
3: I hope so. That's the plan anyway.
0: Lastly, big question here, mate. What is your favorite beer since coming to California?
3: Mine is the Legion Lager. Ballast Point.
0: Let's go. And then, Todd, what is your favourite beer you at the moment? Gillies.
2: Oh. Uh, ultimate pros, ultimate exactly. brand ambassadors. Yesterday was
0: the Battle of California, the grudge match. We had LA Guiltinis taking on San Diego Legion. But today, Sunday, on the American Rugby Show, we have the Battle of the Beers. <laughs> We've got the Gillies versus the Ballast Point. I feel like we're going to have to do a taste test Maybe next week's show we'll get both of them up and we'll have a go. There we go. Maybe
3: you do that one of the breweries. That could be a we'll nice do a live show, and we'll do yeah.
0: a beer off or something. It'll be a whole
2: spectacle. Let's do it. Yeah. Both, both squads have to turn yeah. up full kit, cleats, <laughs> and, hats, well, what about just the whole ready. squads
0: turn up blind blindfolds taste test. Chris, it's been fantastic to have you on the pod, mate. You're, you're a great guy on and off the field. You're one of rugby's good guys. Uh, I've known you for a long, long time. I really appreciate you coming on. I'm a big fan of what you're doing. Coming over to the MLR. the way I know you're one of the like the good guys that committed to giving back to the game and, and you're growing the profile of the sport over here. You know, we're all sorry to hear about your injury, but we're all wishing to get back out there soon, mate. Thanks for coming on. You've been an absolute legend.
3: Pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, good to catch up.
0: Great to have Chris on the pod, everyone. I thought that was a fantastic interview. He's such a stand-up guy.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you just talk to anyone around the world of rugby, like, everyone's got good things to say. Anyone that's ever played with Rob Shaw says what a top bloke he is, a top professional, uh, and the impact that he has for each team he plays for. I remember going back to England A days, friends that were playing with him on tours, uh, all through his Quinns in England career. So that's the kind of guy that's unbelievable for the MLR to attract. You know, he's not not particularly old, you know. He could have done a lot of other things with his career. He's chosen to be here. And uh, lucky for us, we've got him on the pod. And lucky for San Diego Legion, they've got him here in in San Diego. So I'm fortunate with the injury, but can't wait to see him back out on the pitch.
1: Round six of the MLR breakdown. We're going to go into Atlanta hosting NOLA. Atlanta went up 38-28. Rob, what do you have for me on that uh, on that game? Yeah, well, what a
2: start, eh? It was fireworks from this first kickoff. I mean, uh, ATL team that's kicked uh, by far the most kicking meters in the league so far. You know, they build around that defense and the kicking game and territory, and all of a sudden they want to play out from their twenty-two early in the game. I mean, it was actually great to see. It's really interesting because last year uh, with Legion, we went into a the a, a Nola game. And we, although we were also based on a, a kicking attack and territory and challenging set piece, we actually ran from deep against Nola as well because Testy and Joe had spotted something that they leave the wingers back from uh, deep because they're ready to counter-attack. And it looked like ATL exploited that. Two fantastic tries going down the left-hand side early from deep. Um, and then the reply, I mean, you've got the dancing feet of Dino Waldron. I mean... What's it? Dancing with the stars for a tight head prop. But it was unbelievable right foot step. And then uh, and then the second one was more like Dino. He fell over the line from two metres out. But um, amazing action. And then uh, in between the two, Dino tries um, Eskira, who's done a fantastic job stepping at 10. He's, he's more of a 12, um, but he kind of suits the ATL game at 10 because he's actually got the most tackle breaks in the league. Uh, through round five, coming into this game, uh, and he, he another great um, uh, a great line break and try from him. Uh, so that was an unbelievable start to the game. And then it was a really interesting, really, really from moment twenty minutes to the sixtieth minute, lads. I don't think it went through more more than three phases from either team. Honestly, it was it it was really poor the standard at that stage. I think it was summed up by the first time Nola had the the ball for more than five phases. Um, in the ATL 22, they ended up turning the ball over. ATL had it, tried to run it out, turned it over straight away and Dolan scores um, from the loose ball. And that, that was kind of what was going on in the game and Nola couldn't exit. Um, they were, they were kick, putting kickoffs straight out into touch. They were having exit kicks charged down and putting pressure on themselves. Uh, and so... Basically, ATL just ground it out. They kept playing down. They were challenging the Nola lineout, which wasn't functioning, uh, and they had enough quality in the end. Uh, with uh, Car- Carles Colse being, you know, a real live wire and his little tap penalty, and finally uh, they-, they-, they got away from Nola in the end.
0: No, oh, I agree. I think um, you know Nola's lineout was just shooting himself in the foot over and over in, yeah. in the game. And when you're talking about a team that likes to attack, likes to play. Like you, you can't launch off that set piece. It, it, it was a nightmare for them. And I, and I, and I agree with you, Rob, with your summarization of the game. And I just felt at the very end when the, the game was to be decided, you know, that Atlanta winning the kick exchanges over and over again, you know, coming out with those results, sort of feeling that they knew that the, the Nola line out was under pressure, you know, kicking more to have them play out their own half at the end, I think is what saw them out and, and won them the game. But you know, Dino Waldron's dancing feet uh, got me up, and 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 I just got. A, you, you can never diss a prop who scores from a couple of meters out, mate. They all count, all right? I've I've, 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 yeah, yeah. I've built yeah. a livelihood off off one try from about four meters out. So, yeah. so, so don't be dissing Dino on my so show, or our show with you. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I cool. I thought it was you know exciting stuff. It could have gone either way, and that kind of seems to be the way with Nola. They don't really go away. They will just keep playing and trying to score. And, and, you know, credit ATL for sort of grinding it out at the end.
2: My only issue there, Corbs, you know, you're back in the front row union there, but Dino Waldron scored his two tries after 20 minutes. Well, he's, he's got 60 minutes to get his hat-trick. So what went wrong there? That's what Just I want the line-out, mate. He's got to have been pushing people out of the way for a hat-trick, surely. Blame the line-out. It wasn't the scrum. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah you, you kind of see the, the trouble with the line-outs across the league. I mean, they're not the only team. Yeah. So, I mean, that is one of the technical things and uh and you also see a few other things along with defense that uh, that there's definitely holes and gaps that need to be filled to uh to level up but uh yeah. great win for Atlanta at home and you know on to the next week for them interesting point on that one Todd
2: just to finish um Atlanta had made way more tackles than Nola and had comfortably less possession but won the game that's
1: why you're hired <laughs> my nerd number 1 <laughs>
2: Wait till the next game. (laughs) Yeah, because it basically the first three games of the the day, same thing. The team with the more tackles and less possession won the first three games.
1: LA played host to the Southern California Derby against San Diego, winning pretty easy, forty-five to seventeen. But it was pretty much game over after uh, you know twenty minutes. Let me just uh, before I get started. I think it was five minutes, wasn't it? I mean, it, they they were on uh, on coast mode after after 30 minutes of, of the game. But uh, it was awesome to see fans in the stadium at the Coliseum. Uh, Gillies was all over. Parents enjoying it. Little kids, boys and girls yelling, I love Giltinis, uh in their pink and baby blue. The atmosphere was awesome, but uh, not as awesome as the rugby.
2: It was all about the opening, eh? Um, well, I keep hearing that DC club said, the game plan was to start fast. Yeah, that was right? the game plan. Start fast. Well imagine, if, well, imagine if he says, well, the game plan this week is we're going to do it for 80 minutes. It seems that if he just says it, they can do it. So I don't know. He said that start fast and they certainly did it. Um, I think you've got to start, Tob, with um, with the injuries and the players that are missing for Legion, right? You've got Pifoletti, Nasigenge, Peterson, uh, Audsley. Um feel uh then you've got the injuries during the game right i know I know it's after the f- three tries that start, but Nate's obviously huge, he's going to be out again for a while. They were picking up knocks through the game, so look, we know it's been disrupted for legion, but I mean listen, unfortunately, if you look at it, it's terrible to say this it's terribly sad, but they've become a soft touch. Like have you ever seen a team score 3 tries in 5 minutes at the start of a game? Yeah.
1: No. No, it's it's, it's it's definitely it's definitely it was hard to see, you know, even even, you know, being part of the LA sideline, being part of everything else. Um but man, people were uh people got their money's worth. it's, you know, but as a San Diego putting on the sort of the San Diego hat and what you want for the league um and and what are you going to answer to that? And and I hope, you know, and uh, Nate's injury isn't too bad. And he- people get back healthy because you never want to see that. But it's, uh, you know, across the board, it was it was it was one-sided.
2: So when you bring these superstars in, into the game, and obviously Gitto wasn't out there, but Carty did a great job at 10. Jeez, um, this is what you want to see, isn't it? <laughs> like, it's unbelievable. And uh, obviously, DC as the coach is have, having a great impact because some of those set plays, the first phase plays, are just like they're going through they're they're, they're making plays they're not having a defender even say getting a hand on a shirt they can't even say touch in a game of touch rugby they're running through holes that big and like there's a lot of creative thought that's going into that there's a lot of analysis going into that um and it's actually interesting la make the fewest i think the third fewest carries in the league so far and the fewest collisions in the league you know why because they score most times to get the ball. So they don't have to actually make so many collisions. But um, no, they're absolutely clinical. It's great to see. And when I say like Legion or soft touch, it's not that like individually, they're, 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 they're tough I've got so much respect for like those guys that are out there, you know, like Dean Muir and Aaron Mitchell and Kenny when he's fit and Sam and, and, and Dylan and Nate, they're tough, tough men. But just, I, I think they're lacking direction. And you can't be tough on your own. You have to be connected to be effective physically. Um, and unfortunately, that's what they're lacking. And they're allowing the fastest ruck speed in the league. So the opposition, they're just not slowing the opposition down. So then they're struggling to connect on the next phase. And, and it's, it's, they just they just need to get back to, I think, competing, and contesting in the contact and buying themselves a bit more time to set and come up. Um and then there's other things like I mean you you can't switch off for the cross kick to Van der Merwe. I mean it's a brilliant spot and brilliant execution by Carti, but you can't switch off for that.
0: I I thought that you know the the game was you know decided by you know first phase patterns of attack off off set piece. The, the, those are where really the exploitation the three the two of the three tries came bang bang off clever first phase moves. Um, You know, the the more was strong. The scrum was strong early. You know, the physicality from L.A. impressed me because I think when you play Legion, you have to bring that. They have too many, you know, big ball carriers, big physical men. And I thought L.A. really fronted up, especially early on and set a tone that they were going to compete there and not sort of, you know, back off for a second there. Plus, they had the early tries. It was kind of a perfect storm to sort of blow San Diego away. I, I do think San Diego are really missing. Obviously, Nate going was a massive blow. Not having Nate and Peterson together for one game this season, to me, is just, it's it's such a big blow for them. You know, the bedrock of what successful seasons have been built on, nine and ten control, and they haven't had one game yet in the league with them this season. And they won't do probably with Nate's injury and really hope Nate's okay. And it, it was good to see him on crutches after the game, but it doesn't look good for him and this season. And, you know, after that, I thought in the second half as the, you know, LA simmered a little bit. San Diego came back into. It. I thought Sam was absolutely fantastic that day, and and is you know a, a borderline, you could argue, man of the match candidate in a losing effort like that. It, it is a phenomenal, phenomenal attribute. His physicality, his involvements are, are off the chain, off the chart. If anything, someone like him might have to front up at the breakdown and start really trying to slow ball down because that is really where, where it comes unstuck for them not competing not being able to slow down and go off and use their big big hitters to to actually knock lumps in teams it's all right for one phase but if you can knock two three four phases with you know a kenny a Sam, a few other boys that you know put a big hit in all of a sudden the team kicks the ball kicks it. the ball away backs off turns it over and that's not what we're getting they're not getting the results and and the ball back from the defense which we've known that they've done in previous
2: seasons yeah and again you know we talk about how do you build your game model uh, and what's it based on how are you going to um bring more from your strengths and attack the weakness of the others you've got to know exactly what you're about and the legion game model is built on defense uh and again unfortunately not through rugby people's decisions there there isn't there isn't a defense um let's say there's not um an emphasis on defense in terms of the rugby. And that's not the coach's decision. They want to do it, but that's not what they've got at the moment. So it's a a bit unfair on them. Um, But I know they're looking to bring someone in on the defensive side. And I think that's going to be a great move. It's going to help then give uh, Testy and Scott more bandwidth to do what they're good at. And like, let's be fair here. They're one of the highest scoring teams in the league as well. And Testy's got the attack coming, but if you keep giving sapping your energy, in defence, it's very hard to get your attack going because there's always more pressure on your attack. So, you know, the good points that are coming out of it is they did have a, a good second half. Look, the game was over LA they stopped playing. So we can't get too carried away from that. I thought Gleeson and uh, Aaron Mitchell came on and did really well in the scrum for the second week in a row because they had Utah's number last week as well. So you may look for them and Dean Muir may start next week. We'll see what the coaches decide. Um and uh, and then we we'll, we'll see but there has to be there has to be defensive fixes and bear in mind in this game Todd the team with more tackles and less possession won the game LA
1: yeah i mean you also i I've, I've been seeing San Diego the last couple of weeks and especially this week you know you've got to get creative and you got to win you know good ball going forward i mean the only line out real possession that they had a threat was at the front and you can't attack it, that game forward and 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 fast ball from there so um, you know, hopefully they can sharpen up their, their line-out calls, uh, execution, so they can actually, uh, you know, penetrate, you know, moving forward.
2: I think I saw Den Hoot uh, skulking around the uh, Colesbad neighbourhood at night in a balaclava and a torch because I think he broke into someone's house and stole the line-out moves. Because <laughs> yeah, every he every ball
0: went straight to him, I agree, mate. He 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 was he's been phenomenal the last couple of weeks in defensive lineouts. The, the defense just disrupting their lineout platform was huge in the game. I you know credit LA for the, for that. I thought it was a big win for them. And then there was, was also some naivety I thought in um in Legion's lineout defense at times as well. The same move worked like three times if you watch the game back at the lineout. It should never be the case after the first two. And so there's, there's a lot of areas you know that need to improve. But 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 at the same time. I still think Legion have a strong chance of being in the playoffs at the end of the year. So, you know, I just think it, time is going to eventually run out for us to say that and them not to to be that team. But I still feel that way.
1: I mean, go, going into going into the season, they were they were the favorites. You know, the the big signings, everything was coming through the the, the the personnel that was coming. What they had, obviously, uh, wrench has been thrown. Going to Vegas, uh, unpack, stay there. Didn't work out. Coming back. I mean, the guys are still unpacking their bags. Um, and in that, so they're not, in the, they're yeah, not, yeah. they're not stationed. They're not happy as of now. They're happy to be there, but they're still putting yeah. their books on their shelves. They're still, you know, making their Ikea beds, yeah. uh, you know, to beat. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ho- hopefully once they get, uh, get squared away, um, they, they can show that flair yeah. and, and know, depth is going to be it because yeah. unfortunately they've been, they've been hit hard with the, uh, with injuries. Um, but nothing to take away yeah. against LA and the Gillies. Um, impressive stuff.
2: Yeah, I think there were 100% favourites coming into the season. There's been disruption. As Chris Robshaw uh, has said to us, you know, it's just a little bit of momentum needs to go their way. They've got players coming in. Um, they need to just... Sh- sh- once you'll see the confidence will come back in if the, the defence is shored up. Because I say, the, the, Tessie's doing a great job on the attack. So once that's shored up, they'll get the confidence, hopefully a bit of momentum with the new players coming in. But I think overall, we've got to give massive credit to Adam Gilchrist uh and uh, coleman in charge because it's not easy. you can't just put a group of stars together and say on you go lads like you've got to put a system in place and support them uh and the production that's being put on in there in la is first class and like uh, obviously corbs you're on the inside you'll have more of a more insight in that but i mean you've got to take your hands off take your hat off the way they're playing rugby and they're manipulating the defense and and creating such spaces. It's just fantastic to watch.
1: I'm going to have to chime in with you because you did bring up the ownership group. And during the halftime, I did get a FaceTime call from Adam Gilchrist himself. And uh, he was having a watch party in Australia with all of his friends. And I mean, he's invested. I mean, he is not only, uh, you know, the most attractive owner, uh, in the team, but it, he's playing the most attractive rugby. So I had to take a screenshot of of basically, you know, <laughs> Gilly there just enjoy, <laughs> it's enjoying. It's his debut on the pod, he's on it. He made it on the pod. <laughs> so uh, I know he's trying to escape us. He won't be. He won't be a guest. But I was like, oh yeah, I, I got your proof. But I mean, that's the kind of ownership and that you want because I mean, every, he's calling yeah. everybody, making sure things are good, making sure people are happy, uh, and, and that's what you want in an ownership. Next game, we had Utah hosting Houston. 93 points in total. Utah went up 50 to 43. It's almost like a basketball score. Great crowd out there that Utah's doing well, doing well in the community. Um, huge scoreline. Rob, what do you have to say about all that game?
2: Well, I was scrambling to get the old abacus out to keep up with the scoring. I mean, 93 points. Defense is optional. I mean, they'll be tearing their hair out, the defensive coaches. Houston have conceded 30 points in six games this season, I think. Is that five or six games this season? I mean, that's just... You, you just can't achieve anything like that. Now, what I will say on the attacking side, there's been such a spark over the past couple of weeks from Boyer and Povey. Povey scored five tries <laughs> now. he got a hat-trick. He scored two against the Giltinis. I mean, he's unbelievable the way he's slicing through. So, great impact from them. Um, but, like, uh, you know, they scored too early, right? And they got ahead... And Utah great composure to come back, and then basically it was a Mikey Teo and Mika, Mika Cruze show. They rinsed them out on the on the right wing, and uh, Houston took Zach Confrey off the left wing after about twenty minutes. I'm not sure he was injured, but um, anyway, whoever uh, it didn't work because they kept going down the left the right hand uh, side or, or the Houston left side later in the game. But I mean, really entertaining. I mean, look, at, everyone loves watching uh, Mikey Teo play. So. Um, look, those two teams are both going to struggle if they can't sort their defence out as well. And, you know, we'll come on to Austin um, and playoff chances. Austin have built around their defence, and you're like, this looks like a playoff team. Utah and uh, Houston can score a lot of points in these kind of games, but can they against a good defence? Like, the higher the level, the more the competition at every stage of the game and at the moment, neither of those teams are putting real pressure on. You've got to put pressure through line speed to retain the ball, then hard, hard, dangerous contact where you feel under physical threat, and then at the breakdown. And these two teams did neither for 80 minutes. Um, and so it's great, makes for great entertaining rugby, but uh, once you get to business end of the season, you're going to have to really step up in those areas. No,
0: absolutely. Um, you know, exciting rugby to watch, but I was almost like going, "Is there a defence coach?" Defence coach, anywhere, anywhere. It was touch rugby. It, it was at times. Ref, I and, touched and him. Cons- I touched him, and but he didn't go down. how explosive the ball carriers are on both teams and everything, you know, it's a shame that we don't get to see a bit more in defence. That is where both teams have their biggest weaknesses. I think, you know, Boyer... And Povey have have transformed this attack. I think it was made for a nine and ten to come in, move Sam Windsor one out. You have the armchair of the forwards now. You've got a nine and ten that actually can steer the pieces. A completely different team to play against And we saw. You know where someone I won't name names called them stale and crusty a few weeks ago. And and then and then you look at um, and then you know Utah. You know for me it is the the Mikey Tio and and Mika Cruz show those two on on an edge attacking you if you kick poorly if they get the ball out wide it's a nightmare to watch with the footwork with the offload ability with the pace both can kick through as well they're both handy footballers that is a nightmare combination to, to have and, and and that is to me you know utah's biggest weapon as well as some of their ball carriers and players around them that that dangerous threat there to me is
2: is, is must see tv and just to mention for Basker, the glove from the to offload that was a sensational take. Unbelievable. Like the scrum half trying to pick up the crumbs coming through. And then just on uh, the Houston attack, they were crusty. They were crusty to be fair, Corbs, but they're getting, they're looking moist now. <laughs> I, I think uh, Boya and Bovia bought a bit of moisture.
1: That's it. I, I, I do have a personal question for each of you guys. I'll start with Alex first. Off the top of your head. Can you play? Can you think of a game that you played in that was the most points scored? You know, for and against that was that was high scoring game. I'm not. I've not played
0: uh, in a game that it's been back and forth that high. But I've played for London Irish. I think against Rodrigo, Ravigo, or something in the uh, Challenge Cup, and we won like a hundred, like a hundred and four to like five or something ridiculous at the majestic okay, well, a so one one. Are, one lopsided is all i've got i've never seen back and forth like that that's like nfl wild shootout sort of game what about you what about you
2: hodes uh, firstly i want to know how many points for corbs in ravigo oh
0: for me i think i scored four I four tries in a I, total one, of seven meters. I just don't yeah <laughs> we don't count meters we count points yeah. on the board that. <laughs>
2: Uh, no, I've never played in a game like that. That's crazy. mate. We were playing Premiership in England in the rain and the wind. And yeah, you're not uh, used no, to games just, like that. It's
0: only the Aussies or yeah. the Kiwis, maybe. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I remember I remember playing in a Super Rugby game, and it was uh, we played host to the Lions. The, yeah, yeah. So it was Chiefs, yeah, yeah. Chiefs versus the Lions. We hosted yeah, yeah. them at Ellis Park, and uh, the final score was seventy-two to sixty-five. And, yeah. and like you think, oh, this is going to be great rapport back. We get back. Yeah, I mean, that was when Twitter and everything else was just shaming everybody, like all the English premiership. Like, what about defense, this revolving door and all this? But yeah, yeah. That was that was the biggest one I've ever played in.
2: Yeah. So maybe it's me that's crusty, because I'm watching the game thinking, oh, what about the defense? Maybe I I should just be like American, like celebrate just, this great attack. Yeah, Ebenezer
0: great. Scrooge in your in your setup
1: in... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 we need highlight videos. <laughs> Humbug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't need <laughs> highlight videos. Just exactly. Oh, that's uh, New York hosted Toronto, and Toronto's back on form. I mean, they are looking like a good team. Put fifty plus points on New York. Fifty-three to twelve was the final score. Um, they traveled up. Maybe they were uh, happy to be closer to the Canadian border. Um, I don't know. I was a bit confused with the football lines, but I mean, it, none of this. Those guys got to be happy with their performance.
2: Well, that's 50 points and seven tries twice in a row now. I mean, are they the Giltinis of the East? I think they're the only team that can put it together in that way. And if you look at just the way the whole organization operates, yes, they've had, a, again, very tricky time living out of a hotel. But listening to the lads, it seems that they've straightened that out a little bit in terms of how they can control their nutrition and their gym and their training a little bit. Um, but this team you know we've talked about it last week they're the most organized through the phases so really i mean again in in this league there's 170 tries been scored in the league and 111 of them have been in phase 1 to 3 that's where you need to strike and again you talk about how you're going to beat LA and things like that you need to strike early and that's what Houston did against them um but this toronto team they they just flow as they go through the phases they've always got three options at the line the timing is sensational. They're always pulling defenders in directions they don't want to go. So a, a great um, uh, a example of that is the Montero try where he came off his, off his left wing. The two centres ran – the 13 ran in inline, the 12 behind him. And so the two defenders are split apart. And once you turn the hips, then you've got a hiding player behind. Montero just comes from behind very, very late. They don't see him, and he goes through untouched. But they're doing that all game. So it's not like, okay, what's their miracle set-piece play that they do? it? They're doing it through the phases. The speed that they reset in attack and then come back at the line, and uh, Taylor Adams is just pulling the strings beautifully Um, and always, always got threats at the line. I I think they're fantastic to watch, and if it wasn't for their start where they're on the road and in Atlanta, I think they would have already been picking up uh, more wins. And they're at the top of the East now with the last two weeks.
0: I agree, mate. Um, To me, I was shocked at the result and the size. I had this image of, you know, like when people would have those sit there with those apples on their head. So like New York's the big apple. And then the guy from miles away just shoots the arrow straight through and takes it off. They just absolutely... You know, just just knocked it out of the park. I thought New York started quite well. So first game without uh, Andy Ellis starting at nine, obviously think that affected them yeah. a little bit as well. That they yeah. rotated and, and and moved around a few pieces, definitely affected. Them, but they started well. First couple minutes scored early, and then it was the arrows who just took over. And and Rob, you're bang on. It's the shape. It's the manipulation of defenders. It's the complete opposite to route one brute ball carries. It's finesse. It's fantastic to watch. Um, you know even in the 22 having like two options out the back so that the the forward passing has multiple options to hit so as a defender you've got a hard line you've got a forward carrying you've got two different lines that can be hit out it's such clever rugby and I do think they are you know their ability to hold on to the ball and stress defenses is a is a great recipe to take them very far in this competition. Um, New York You know, strong at the scrum at times, never quite got rolling, a bit clunky and then just seemed to just get wowed, like almost just struck at how easy at times um, Toronto made it look to slice them apart. And then, you know, I I hate to ram on about, but the field is is bloody awful there. And and, and I'm tired of being nice. I think New York, San Diego have a bit more. You know, they have a bit more leeway. They all like, if it wasn't for COVID, they have a nice stadium that's there rating for them. They've had it since the early days. They've had it. New York's never had a home. You know, Rugby United have never had a home. They need to find a long-term home and especially somewhere where they can start to build fans around. That doesn't look like the place to be building fans around. And the lines are confusing. I feel for the players at times with the touch lines and the different lines on it and the way the flags are and everything. It's a tough place you know, to deal with. But take that aside. I thought that the arrows were fantastic. Had to get that rant out of the way. Yeah. Sorry, Steve Lewis. I just, it's, it is, yeah, it no, is it's, what it it's
2: is. Uh, it's, a bad, it's a bad look for the league. It's a bad look. Toronto, yeah. They, so, we got, we talked about their shape. Also, ruck efficiency. They've got very, very fast uh, a, a ruck ball. So, you can't reset. Um, and then they've also got this great kick chase game and pressure you down in your half. Um, so I think when we talk about the Houston uh, and Utah game, to me, it's great, entertaining rugby. It's like a computer game, but there's no tactics involved, really. It's just like, OK, we've got the ball now. Let's go and see what we can achieve. Whereas Toronto are really pressing you, again, with a game model. If they need to at the right time, they can kick in behind you and they chase hard and put pressure on you and made it tough for New York to get out. But if they see the space, they'll go to the space. And they've always got those options. So that's why I put them when I'm watching the other teams and a lot of the East, the teams in the East, they'll win one week, lose another. But Toronto, I put them ahead of the other teams in in the way they're putting the whole picture together in a similar way to L.A. do. Um, And then just just a a note, like every week they've got other guys stepping up. Ben Lesage is a player, Mm. lads. I know Kingsley really likes him and he's been off the scene a little bit because he's playing club rugby and he's very mega intelligent and he's been studying and all the rest of it. But this bloke is a player. Um, Montero is is a great overseas signing. Uh, Shepard was back. who's a very good... I'm going to jump in.
0: Lucas Rumble. Rumble... Is phenomenal. His breakdown work, like we're talking about, team—they've got a bit of everything. They get absolutely stuck in at the breakdown. Uh, you know, nitty gritty team to play against, and all those little facets. Lineouts very clever. I, I, I am a big fan of them, and and I do think what's notable about them as well—they're improving week on week consistently too.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, and Rooney, it's difficult to understand. It's difficult to know where to put them, right? Um, but the, the the difficulty for me is that they probably they lost to Nola away and this game. And they didn't really change what they were doing in the game. Like from against Nola, they were trying to run it from everywhere uh, and it wasn't working. They didn't change. In this game, after the first three minutes, it went against them, but it, it kind of went against them the whole game almost. Toronto had their way with them. So it'd be interesting to see where they emerge from this. Um, but yeah, fantastic to see uh, Toronto getting back to their, to their best.
1: Must be all that hotel living, jumping on that hotel beds, the maids coming in daily, you know, not always that bad, so we'll see if they can continue the streak. Toad's the guy you want in the hotel yeah. with you. Fuck, I love hotels. <laughs> at the nation's capital, D.C. hosted the Free Jacks, um, maybe soon to be the 51st state. Whoever knows what's going on in this crazy country. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they took it to them. 35-22, beat the Free Jacks. Um, it's good to see them getting a result at home. Hodes, uh, I know that you have a bunch of stats for us for this one. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, 35-22 is
2: the most important stat. No bonus points for New England. So, a disappointing uh, trip uh, to Washington for them. Impressive by the OGs, you know, because they were uh, integrating Mirani uh, and Colin Nassau into the back line. Um, and on that note, I thought their defence was really good, actually, throughout the game. They were coming up hard and cutting off the edge, which is pretty tricky to do when you're integrating new players. Um but uh, really, New England a bit disappointing. They scored two fantastic trials, tries from um, Boyle with the grabber kick twice. I mean, you've got to learn your lessons. Uh, but two grabber kicks through for Fife, who's the top scorer in the league and have, having a great impact uh, in America, I'm sure, enjoying himself. Um, but they had opportunities late in the game to get back into it. But they're, I don't think their forwards delivered for New England. They actually they got uh, their lineout drive, got staffed. Uh, on 60 minutes and then they had a scrum and they conceded a penalty at the scrum where uh, Jamie Deaver uh, uh, is doing a good job and Mikey Siseni, uh Fergie for, um, for, for the OGs. Um, but for, for the OGs, it was Robertson's second week back. He was a bit quiet last week, but linking up with Tusa again, fantastic to see their five-man uh, line-out play. They went five-man, two hits, changed direction to Daboulos. Uh, who scythed through untouched. That was a great try, I'm sure. Um, Andrew Douglas will be pleased from that one coming off the whiteboard. Um, but they scored uh, 27 unanswered points, actually, after the first uh, score from New England. So a real confidence booster for the um, for DC, who have looked pretty good in the previous weeks, but they have had a lot of inexperienced players out there, especially in the back line, and Gibbons didn't start a couple of games but I think with their first 15 out, they're a good threat. I, I thought DC, um, you know, looked very good. I thought Daboulos at 15 had
0: a fantastic game. Just Not just the try, he kicked well, he ran well.
1: Yes, he might have did, been out yeah. of
0: position. I, I need to watch it back once or twice on, on some of those kick-throughs uh, for five or not. I didn't get to see enough angles to see who, who should potentially be covering that there or not.
2: I think one of them, he was in the defensive line. Well, he's got to be up in the line when it's that close to the try line. He's got to be up on about the outside stick. I think on the second one, Tusetalo could have That's what I gotten thought. his Tusa bike Tala. a bit quicker. You've got to be looking at you've got to be looking at the blind wing as well because sometimes you want your, your nine in the front line there, so your blind wing's got to have a look. But you've got to learn your lessons. I mean, speaking of that, how, how do New York concede a cross kick try from a penalty the day after Legion have done it? Have they not watched yeah. the game? Like things like that, you just can't you just can't no. have them. Like you've got to be on the ball with things like that, but fair play to Boyle. I I mean, he's up there in um, try assists or try tries created in the league and great to see a young uh, American qualified 10 uh, also having a good impact. I
0: thought the the back row for DC, I'm a a massive fan of, I know you are too, Rob as well. thought they had a great game. I thought at the scrum, they turned the screw as well, which in a, in a tight game gave them, you know, some of some penalties and some reward and some disruption on, on that end. And then, um, you know, they just took their chance as well as well, and 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 new free Jack sort of started well, and then real like got kind of blown away a little bit. Realized they were out of it, and then sort of tried to claw the fight back. I'm a big fan of Dougie Fife. I think he's been amazing since he's come over here. Uh, Waka had his moments as well, but they just hadn't quite click or have proper control on the game. And, and I thought, um, you know, it was a, probably a good move from Old Glory to, to you know to bring in a bit more experience into the back three on either wing, which, you know, just allowed them to not be exposed in the kicking game that little bit more. And I actually thought they won a lot of the kicking battles. And then that allows them to play the rugby that they yeah. want to play. They're an exciting team to watch. They know how to score tries. And and I, and I think, you know, it will set up a tough test against LA this week. because I don't think anyone can take DC lightly, Um, you know, regardless of where they were sitting in a table or whatever. I, I, I fully expect they're going to come and play.
2: Corbs, I think uh, DC could offer uh, LA this week the toughest test they've had. Uh, if they come in with their full fifteen and they're fit and healthy, I really do think that. And then on the other side, it's really interesting to see how New England develop because they kind of flattered, to deceive at times. They've looked pretty good in patches, but if you look over the course of the season now, they've only won two out of five games. They've got uh, they've got the worst territory stats in the league. They've got the slowest ruck speed in attack in the league. And you, you know, you're wondering, you know, where they're going. Well, next week's going to be huge because they travel to San Diego, another two and three team uh, searching for some answers. So I think that's gonna be a fascinating battle. And in fact, there's the four games next week, it's four Eastern Conference teams traveling to Western Conference teams. And um, yeah, it's gonna be really interesting to see who comes out on that after they've, they've been playing some sort of in-conference teams the last couple of weeks. Uh,
1: I, I'm really interested for next week. AG Nation, Austin comes away with another victory. You know, they didn't just slide through this one last minute thing. They uh, they showed clinic against Seattle, beating them 42 to 15. Man, I mean, you got to feel for some of those Seattle players that, you know, they've lifted that trophy for a couple of years and, and then coming into the season and, and just not having the performance. Um, but credit to Austin.
2: Well, defense is optional in this league unless you wear burnt orange. I mean, that's what we've been saying for weeks. We love the way they're building it out in Austin there. Again... Gilchrist has done a great job. He's built an environment where he supports the players, he supports the staff, he breeds confidence in them that he trusts what they're doing and shock they're at the top of the league. I mean they've gone second now, LA atop, top, AGs is second and to me this is how you build out a playoff ready team. Um as opposed to these 40-50 games. Um Now they build the layers on in attack and they put 40 points on today. So really, really encouraged by what they're doing. They've got, Isaac Ross has scored again today. They've got De Chavez coming back. So they've got two fantastic leaders. We know the set piece is critically important and scoring off line outs is a huge part of the game. Um, So really impressed with them. And um, it's just where does Seattle go from here? They've got the new coaches coming in, but, I don't know if we've got time to talk about that today, but very, very confusing. The set, great, unbelievable to bring best and Clark in, but I don't really understand the setup that they've um, proposed there.
1: Rory best coming uh, from Ireland, uh, leaving his cows and uh, coming to Seattle for some good coffee and uh, maybe some tackle practice. I mean, who who knows what's going to happen uh, <laughs> Tackle
2: practice, <yeah.
1: laughs> leading up to that, you know, but uh Again, you know that's uh, that's a record for the franchise for Austin, and uh, it's probably a record for Seattle for, for 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 on the on the wrong side of it as well.
2: Yeah. And you, and just to be clear, you're not generalizing about Irishmen and their cows. He is a gen a, a, a genuine yeah. cow lover.
1: He's got
0: a solid farm up there, <laughs> family thing, and uh, he's very proud of it. I'm sure he'll tell. We'll get him on the pod now as an American. He'll tell us all about
1: it. Rory, let's go.
0: Come on, buddy. Yep. <laughs> that's a wrap on uh the mr breakdown and the show as well you know it, it was great another week in the books uh thanks for your time again and just a reminder to everyone at home to keep subscribing to our podcast keep sharing it telling your friends Reappreciate really all your support todd rob thanks again for coming on we'll see you again next week